This is the EP Growth Podcast from Hunter Rehabilitation and Health. We're here to grow the exercise physiology profession through supporting the professional and personal growth of young EPs in the industry. Hello, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to the EP Growth Podcast, where today, well, we're going to try and tackle a little bit of workers' comp, New South Wales workers' comp. So, tricky one. Traditionally, it tends to be it to get a little bit involved. Um, I think people get a little bit passionate about it, but uh, maybe that's just my experience. But specifically, going to have a chat about complex workers' comp clients and the difficulties that some people are experiencing with getting clients approved as complex workers' comp clients. We'll dive into it, but a little bit of background first of all. So last year, Syrah uh, announced that they were changing the, I guess, the fees order for exercise physiologists around the classification of workers' comp clients. So traditionally, it was just a standard workers' comp clients. It was the same fee. Um, what you could and couldn't do was sort of fairly set. And that was updated to bring EP more in line with uh, other allied health practitioners, was, you know, physiotherapists and chiros and the like, where they were already operating on a basis of it's a complex client or a standard client, which is, uh, well, to put a label on it, but that's what was happening. So that was introduced last year. And with that, obviously, there's different expectations on the consult type and obviously the fees that can be applied to that. So the definition for a consultation C complex client is probably where some of the confusion and antiquity is arising for, for EPs. So real quick, consultation C is a treatment service code for the management of injured persons with complex pathology and clinical presentations that require a matched intensity and relevance of treatment. It is reserved for when a practitioner is required to deliver a significantly increased level of specialty and intensity of treatment service to adequately address the complexity of an injured person's presentation. And it goes on to say it's serious expectation. Only a small number of workers will require consultation C treatment sessions. I don't know where that comes from. Like, why is that the expectation? Um, not to, not to sound negative straight away, but if someone presents as complex, then it's complex despite what your expectations are. Um, oh, I'm not sure where that comes from. That's sort of the, the overarching sort of view of what a consultation C complex client is for exercise physiologists to work from. Now, within that, as I said at the top, a lot of EPs are experiencing difficulty when they're trying to request through their AHRR that a, uh, a client is presenting as complex and insurers are saying, no, they're not. We're not, we're not going to approve that. So there's obviously a reason. Now, I think with most things, it's best to start in your own backyard as an EP. What are you requesting? You need to demonstrate through your AHRR, through your correspondence with insurers, that this is the case, that the person is complex. Now, to do, to do that, you need to have an understanding of the clinical framework for the delivery of health services. So within that, we're going to start to look at the effectiveness of the treatment. This may not be right at the start of your treatment, but it certainly could be. But if this is now your third, fourth, fifth AHRR, you're continuing to request sessions and you're not able to show that you're having any positive impact whatsoever, well then, yeah, you're going to struggle to get your, your services approved. You need to show that what you're doing is effective. If it is, if it is your first AHRR, then there needs to be evidence somewhere that exercise physiology, specifically what you are about to provide, is the most effective treatment option at this time for what is what the presentation is in front of you. 
if that is not the case, well, we are struggling from the outset to get your sessions approved and rightly so. We want the person going where it is most effective to get the best results. And we need to weigh that up. Is what I'm doing the most appropriate thing for this person at the time? If it's not, refer on. Find someone that is more suited to this person to get them a better outcome. And if it's a case of you are not getting results, even though what you're providing is the most effective uh, treatment at this point in time, then it's time to look at maybe it's a specialist referral or maybe someone more experienced, a different set of eyes that might see something that you've missed. So again, that's on us to consider as professionals. Is this the right approach? The adoption of the biopsychosocial approach, so that needs to be evidenced as well within your AHRR. So consider that. You need to consider as well, is in your AHRR, is there appropriate provisions being made to empower that individual to manage your own injury? How can you show that? So there's a certain level of communicative skill from you here to emphasize, to show in your planning that, yep, the, the worker here, this person in front of me is being encouraged to take control of their own situation. There's nothing worse than the stories of, I've had this, this is a, a personal experience, I suppose, where if you, you get to see someone through works comp, it's, it's more than six months after the injury and you say, okay, great, where, where have you been before coming to me? And what's your, your treatment entail today? And then, oh, I've, I've just been getting some massage once a week for the last six months. No exercise prescription at all, anything like that. Yeah, they're not really at all being encouraged to take over their own injury and, and manage themselves. They just go and get a massage for their injury. And that's it. And that's the extent of what they do. It's an absolute horror story. So we want to start to empower people to look after themselves. This is a big one. And we've talked about it heaps on this uh, podcast before, but there needs to be goals in place. And the goals need to be established with the individual. They need to focus on optimizing function, um, increasing participation, and or return to work is ideal. Looking at a few of those things, uh, yeah, you, that's, that's probably the other thing as well when you put your goals on the AHRR, don't just have one, okay? You need to have a few goals and, and you can have them addressing different areas. One might be function, one might be returning to work in some capacity, one might be returning to participation in certain activities that they once completed. So again, that's how you can probably show the biopsychosocial approach. But uh, if you've only got one goal or your goals aren't smart or they're lacking in particular areas, maybe consider the goals you're putting down. Uh, but that's that's all part of what you need to do as an allied health professional and meeting your own requirements is, is cover these things off effectively. And again, we're talking about basing, uh, the final point is basing your treatments on best available research evidence. So timely one, I did a podcast on that. Uh, last week, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it now. That's uh, There are going to be some flaws within that and there's obviously some positives within that, but um, where possible, basing your treatment on the best possible evidence. They're the obligations you have as an EP, as an allied health practitioner. You need to cover your own bases, make sure you're, you're doing that to the best of your ability. And if you're doing that, if it's all adding up, it's all perfect, it's all appropriate, well, now then we've got an argument for why this person should be considered complex and we can start to have a look at how you would demonstrate that. So again, on the serious site, they provide plenty of resource for us. But if we go to the latest uh, EP fees order and practice requirements, we can scroll down to EPA and 009, the consultation C, uh, initial or subsequent. So it gives us a little bit more information there on, on what we need to, to do and what we need to show for this complex categorization. So 
Consultation C means a treatment session related to complex pathology and clinical presentations, including but not limited to. So three or more entirely separate compensable injuries or conditions, extensive burns, complex neurological or orthopedic pain or cardiorespiratory conditions. Jesus, a lot to get through there. That's probably where we run into to one of the first things that will get used by an insurer. It sounds very negative, but it's one of the things insurers will say uh, to deny the fact that someone, to deny your request for complex sessions. I'll say, well, no, it's not complex because the person doesn't have uh, three or more entirely separate compensable injuries or conditions. So that's not what it says. It says including, but not limited to. So that is one of the categorizations. If you were to keep reading through there, it also says it is expected that two or more evidence-based risk screening standardized outcome measures relevant to the clinical presentation are documented to demonstrate the complexities of the case and form the basis for the clinical rationale for delivery of consultation C. So whilst the person may not have three or more, um, to say it, complex injuries, if you are able to demonstrate through use of screening questionnaires or risk-based um, screening tools that someone is uh, at risk, further risk of injury or becoming a, a prolonged injury, um, layoff work, things like this, depending on what screening tool you're using, then that is going to help you with your comp uh, your your approval of this person being seen as complex. In, in our clinic, if we have uh, a presentation which is psychological injury, we will provide the person with two psychological screening tools and determine, and, and based on what the outcome is of those screening tools, will influence if we uh, request complex sessions or not. So that's the two screening tools we will use there. The person doesn't have three or more uh, different injuries or burns or things like that, but the two questionnaires that we've just completed helps us with our rationales if they're complex or not. That's probably one of the first ones to to consider right off the bat there is use your screening tools. It's not not simply they've got to have three or more injuries. That 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 cannot work if someone is a psychological injury. Okay. So in the instance that it was a physical presentation in front of you, I'd be looking to use various screening tools uh, for that particular presentation. So if it's a let's say it's a lower back injury, I want to use a screening tool designed to assess lower back injury and the severity of it to press my my case here that the person is complex or to reveal to yourself and prove to yourself that it's actually not complex, okay? We're not even going to talk in this podcast about how you need to talk to your client about all of these sorts of things. That's possibly one for another time. But using various screening tools to support your, your claim here or to reveal actually not complex uh, is a very powerful thing that you should be doing um, and it's going to go a long way towards uh, gaining approval of complex grading, rating, if you like, uh, with the insurer. Now, again, I don't want to gloss over this. It is on you to show progress over time here. So again, if this is uh, someone that you've been seeing previously and it's you're trying to get follow-up approval of an AHRR for complex sessions again, but you haven't shown that your complex sessions have been beneficial before that, then yeah, you are going to struggle to get this approved and and rightly so. There needs to be that progress that you need to show something is progressing, even if it's just the uh, the individual's capacity to, to self-manage beyond anything else. But there, there needs to be progress shown over time. You probably also need to to highlight for the insurer, like where is this going? How long is this going to take? How many more complex sessions do I need? So all those sorts of things need to be to be factored in. 
Uh, those are sort of the obligations on you as a practitioner to to make it easy for the insurer to say yes. Now, moving on a little bit from our obligations there as EPs and what we need to provide, and uh, that should, certainly should be the number one focus. But insurers also have an obligation here, and there's some things to consider as an EP in terms of approval timeframes uh, and and what your rights are in uh, in this space. The insurer has 21 days to approve your first AHRR uh, and five days to approve each AHRR after that if it's within three months of the injury date. Um, so that's the first thing to, to consider. So if you haven't heard back from your insurer uh, within those timeframes, or well, you should be trying to contact them first of all, but outside of that, then your AHRR is approved. So you should know that. So you also need to know you get up to eight sessions with the injured worker uh, if they have not received treatment from another physical therapy provider, so within three months of the injury date, or three sessions if it's up to three months from the injury date. For those of you that are looking to see a client that is coming back to you um, after having seen you before for an injured uh, an injury at work, so you get one session automatically approved there, uh, and that's up to three months since you've last seen them. And then something also to note, you don't need approval to see a client if you are seeing them within 48 hours of the injury. So that's for your first AHRR, not ongoing. So those are some things to, to consider there. Now, again, I encourage everyone to go and check out the Cirrusci and confirm this yourself um, in, just in case things have changed since uh, I'm reading this and uh, you're listening to it. So those are some key dates there, uh, timeframes that you should be aware of that will influence uh, when things are just automatically approved for you, not necessarily relating to complex clients or standard clients, just purely for AHRR approval. So guys, if you're not up to date with your workers' comp stuff with with the the ins and outs of the policy, I suggest you go and read it. Um, maybe even see if there's a CPD you can do. Uh, check out if there's a mentor that can help you with it. I know Hunter Rehab can certainly help you out with uh, a mentor. But um, look, it's a, it's a massive space and it's certainly a space where you need to be on the ball and know what you're doing. Uh, and providing the best possible outcomes for your clients, best possible services, sorry, for your clients to get the best outcomes. And that is your obligation. So I think we'll wrap it up there for today. It's uh, certainly a topic you can spend a lot of time on and, and go down cert, uh, several rabbit holes. We might look to do a little bit more of that in future podcasts. So if you've got anything in particular that you would like to know more about or hear us talk about, please reach out. But for now, we'll leave it there and catch you in the next one. Bye for now. Hey guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the EP Growth Podcast. If you would like to be mentored by one of the high-performing exercise physiologists at Hunter Rehab and Health, please visit epgrowthpodcast.com and click on the mentoring page to learn more. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends so we can ultimately grow this profession together. Thank you.